0: Hello, I'm Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. All
1: right, and we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank
0: you for listening. Today our topic will be on the seven mountains of influence and the
2: mountain we will be discussing is religion. And our scripture for today is from John 4:24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. All right, here we go for the past few weeks, you know, we've been covering the seven mountains of influence
1: in our society and we're now on the fifth mountain which is religion just as Susan mis- mentioned and this is a big one. Uh, and here's a quick review of the seven mountains. They are media, family, arts and entertainment, economy, religion, education, and government. The ones that we have previously covered are media, education, government, and economy. And the information that we're discussing comes from Johnny Lowe's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, Unveiling the Elijah Revolution. That one you can get from Amazon. The other book is Johnny and Elizabeth Lowe's Rise, a reformer's handbook for the seven mountains. And this one is a little more difficult to get. You know, you can only get it from their website, which is Restore seven, that's the number seven, restore 7.org And the last time I checked it was still sold out. So it's just a really popular book. But they're both really good and so relevant to what we are experiencing right now all around the world. You know, Johnny's been talking about this a lot lately on Elijah streams with Steve Schultz. If y'all, you know, want to watch that, we encourage you to listen to get the most current information. And the mountain of religion is the mountain that we as Christians are most familiar with. Many of us have some serious questions we need answers to, you know, why are things the way they are? How did we lose so much ground to the enemy? And where is God in all of this chaos? Are we ever going to experience peace again? You know, Johnny says that there are many people that call themselves Christians, but we have a significant battle that awaits us. We've filled this mountain with people or believers, but we've underinformed most on this mountain as to what the mission is. I thought that was very key that mm-hmm. he said that, you know. The good news is that we are advancing and taking ground back from the enemy, and we will continue to do so. But it's going to be a fight like no other we have ever experienced before here on earth. And for the mountain of religion, we see God as redeemer. He is love displayed as honor. And this is the honor that shows God authentic reference, or, I'm sorry, reverence, value, and deep respect, which is far from simply following religious rules or behaving out of obligation and performance. Honor through religion was meant to be infused into how we not only live towards him, but towards others as well. Religion is a tough topic because it encompasses so much, but we're going to break it down the best we can today, so buckle up.
0: Buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is religion? Um, I
1: don't know, Susan, what is religion?
0: <laughs> the de- Please tell us. <laughs> I'm about to right now. The definition of religion is the service and worship of God, the supernatural. And we've heard a lot of bad stuff about religion recently, as it is ritual and not real. But there is a pure and undefiled religion that is good. Mm. Right. And the four great religions on earth are Christianity, which is 2.1 billion followers, Islam, which is 1.2 billion followers, Hinduism, which is 900 million, and Buddhism, which is 376 million. Yeah. And Johnny goes on to say other major religions are Chinese traditional and folk religion, which is a mix of various strains of Taoism, Confucianism, and Buddhism. And African folk religions that often mix the occult and Christianity and Catholicism are practiced by more than 100 million. There are 14 million Jews and millions more spread out among other religious groups. Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world. Praise God. Yeah. With Charismatic and Pentecostal being the fastest growing group within Christianity, right? More than 700 million Holy Spirit filled Christians are in the world, Mm. and their numbers and influence are growing exponentially, particularly so in South America and Africa. Wow. So there are different levels of the mountain of religion, and Johnny explains. These four main religions of the world were mentioned earlier at the top of this mountain. Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Right. And Christianity is already there, but the Lord is upgrading our understanding of the fullness of our inheritance. Boy, do we need that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism are there with us. Mm -hmm. And further down the mountain are some of the folk religions of China, Africa, and elsewhere, and then at low levels are a multitude of cults and localized religious practices. So, behind the physical religions at the top, or the invisible powers we've discussed, the spirit of religion, the parasites, which is idolatry, and the prince of Persia, Johnny says these are spirits we have to remove. Right. right? True worshipers have been given authority to displace every enemy from the top of this mountain. So the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations, which is Isaiah sixty-one eleven. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the mountain of religion will be the mountain of true worship, and praise will spring forth before all nations. Can y'all just wait for that day. I know. I just can't imagine. You know.
1: Right? I know. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it now, but before, it was just like we're never going to win. You
0: know. Right. But that's not our God. No, he gives us
2: a vision of hope for yes. the future and what it's going to be like, and that yeah. that's what puts that excitement in your heart. And right, your
0: right, right, because mm-hmm. I could see it now. And the Bible refers to religion in several places. Recalling his time as a Pharisee, Paul relates how he belonged to the strictest sect of religion. And God defines true religion this way in James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this – to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In other words, the system of worshiping God is not a matter of observing rites and rituals, rather it involves practical help for those in need and living a pure life separated from the sin of the world. One type of religion is comprised of that described in Colossians 2.8, that which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. This type of religion is based on false gods and worldly philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And throughout history, various religions have venerated idols and glorified the creature over the creator. Yeah, so true. Right? Another type of religion relies on tradition, ceremony, and rule-keeping to curry favor with God. Mm-hmm. The scribes and Pharisees in the Bible are examples of this form of religion. Jesus said, They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. It's like they had to show off. You
1: know, they're like, Ha, huh, I'm up here and you're not. You know, it's right. kind of like they felt like they were better than, than their peers, like the people that were around them and that's just awful. You know,
0: and it's it, a false pride like if you yeah. put others down you feel better about yourself. Right, mm-hmm.
1: right. And I don't know that I have experienced that a lot in churches that I've attended. In, you know, some of my pastors I don't know that they necessarily feel better than me, but I have encountered people, churchgoers that have come across that way to me. Oh, but yeah. I'm I'm better, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. because I go to this church and I I'm better than whoever, you know. Mm-hmm. So
0: it's that whole pride thing like you said. Yeah. It's just it's everywhere. It's empty. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad. The Pharisees, the religion was outward and heavily influenced by their traditions. Rather than aid the widows as James one twenty seven commands, the Pharisees robbed them. Like beautiful tombs, they only appeared clean and pure, but inside they were corrupt. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, Jesus called them whitewashed
0: tombs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much of what we consider to be religion—church on Sunday, reciting a prayer, lighting a candle, etc.—are human traditions that give the appearance of devotion, but ultimately have little to do with the soul of the participant or their heart? Like, right, where's right. their heart? They have mm-hmm. to be. They have to have that intimacy with God. If you're not seeing it, then right, it's about relationship. Yes. And we're warned in 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 that people can have a form of godliness without religious activity, making any meaningful difference in their lives. As James 1.27 said, true religion in God's eyes makes a difference in who we are and what we do. It's a religion based on relationship, like we just said, and intimacy with God. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. That's right. And obedience is the proof of love. We love God because He loved us first, and our love leads us to action. It's a, the fulfillment of the law. This religion of relationship is not based on what we do for God, it's based on what He's done for us. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not trusting in our performance, but in a person, Jesus Christ. Right. Also, Johnny describes what the Bible has to say about religion and the end times. He goes to look at two passages that deal with end times. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 2 has been the theme chapter on the latter days when the Lord's house will be exalted. It extensively covers the last judgment on idolatry. And the Bible says in Isaiah 2.8, The land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And in verse 12 it says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. And verses 17 through 19 says, The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, but the idols he shall utterly abolish when he arises to shake the earth mightily. Mm. And in verses 20 through 21, On that day of judgment, they will abandon the gold and silver idols they made for themselves to worship. They will leave their gods to the rodents and bats while they crawl away in caverns and hide among the jagged rocks in the cliffs. They will try to escape the terror of the Lord and the glory of His majesty as He rises to shake the earth. Well, it sounds kind of scary, doesn't it?
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> got to
0: yeah. go hide off in the caves. <laughs> scary but necessary. Yeah, necessary. Right. right. Got it. All these verses confirm that the taking of these mountains will come with a whole lot of help from on high. That's right. And the promise that Israel always had as they were told to enter the promised land was that God would go before them and fight for them. Our job is just to position ourselves for the ensuing occupation of the mountain. Right. And the other passage Johnny talks about is Daniel 12. This chapter is full of peril, promise, and intrigue by its own account. It's veiled and mysterious. It begins with the announcement of the archangel Michael. Verse 1 says, At that time, Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise, then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people, whose name is written in the book, will be rescued. In this very day of trouble, particularly for Israel, there's a great promise for the shining sons of the kingdom. And verse 3 says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Yes. Daniel then asks in verse 6, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? The answer comes in verse 7. When the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things will be finished. Right. Daniel heard, but he did not understand. Mm-hmm. And in verses 9 through 10, he says, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of end. None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Yes. This statement is huge. Right. It means... We can expect a progressive unveiling of the secrets of Daniel 12 as we near the time of the end, which will occur when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered. So, since we see that this is a very good time for the wise, we can assume that they are not the holy people who will be completely shattered. I see it as a reference to a time when all other religious powers are completely shattered, a time when Isaiah 2 is fulfilled and all idols and idolaters were judged. The time is coming when the mountain of religion will become completely possessed by the bright and shining wise, and at this time all other religious power will be completely shattered. And the Hebrew word is nafats which means shatter, break, dash, beat in pieces, or pulverize. A complete dismantling and pulverizing of the religious spirit's operations, as well as all those who have not come out from the, his influence, is coming." These are exciting times ahead.
1: I like that. The complete dismantling and pulverizing Mm -hmm. of the religious spirit's operation.
2: So it just can't, it won't rise up again. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that. Pounded into the ground. That's right. Right.
0: So how long will the Antichrist prevail? It says in Daniel 7.25, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times and a half a time. Though there are several speculations as to what a time and times and half a time means, Johnny <laughs> Johnny, Johnny b- it is. Yeah. Johnny believes the vagueness of the timetable isn't itself a notice that is negotiable. He believes the final refining fire that the Lord will allow upon the church will be to rid us of the Prince of Greece, impurities that have infiltrated into the church since Jesus' day. Mm-hmm. And the other test will be whether we stand with Israel when our very life is endangered. Right. The timetable for that purifying work is undetermined. The more unprepared we are ahead of time, the more intense the fire will be. That's right. And if Elijah revolution fulfills its assignment, the time should be short. We should, we could see a very quick fulfillment of the next two verses of Daniel 7. Hmm. And that is Daniel 7, 26-27. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion, to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Johnny says, notice that all of this is taking place under heaven, that dominion is given to the saints. The Antichrist is ultimately the Lord's tool for final cleansing of his people. His bride will be a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Many today are under the influence of the spirit of pride. It's the same thinking that Lucifer had, and he was taken down. It was high-minded, image-conscious, and full of great pompous words. He was subtle, saying only he could be like the Most High." When we think we can do something without the Holy Spirit and His anointing, we're under the influence of that spirit of pride. And the God who began a good work in us must finish it. That's good. A final prophetic message out of Zechariah 9 tells us of the final victory of the sons of Zion versus the sons of Greece. This refers to the last displacement of the Holy Ones that will take place on this mountain of religion and worship. It says, For I have bent Judah my bow... Fitted the bow with Ephraim. Am I saying that right? Ephraim. Ephraim. And raised up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. Then the Lord will be seen over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will blow the trumpet and go with the whirlwinds from the south. The Lord of hosts will defend them. They shall devour and subdue with sling stones. They shall drink and roar as with wine. They shall be filled with the blood like basins, like the corners of the altar. The Lord your God will save them in the day and as a flock of His people. For they shall be like jewels of a crown lifted like a banner over His land. For how great it is His goodness and how great its beauty. Grain shall make the young man thrive and new wine the young women. It's awesome. You know, I like how Kenneth Copeland describes the fight and how we are to pray for the seven mountains of influence. There's a fight for religion, right. tr- truth in our nation. Right. right. That's very evident right now. Yeah. I mean, we just don't hear a lot of people talking about
1: truth. Real truth. E- real truth. God's <laughs> truth. You know, we, yeah. we hear story after story, and then it just gets watered down with more lies and the, the things that we hear on the media outlets, and the news outlets, and it just gets so overwhelming. You're like, you don't even know what to believe or trust anymore. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just that bad. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the spirit of religion on top of all that. We we get the same thing through the church, the watered down version of what the Bible says. And, and we've gotten so far away from the truth, and it's just done so much damage. It's done so much harm, not just to the church, but to everyone. Because we can't, people that are outside the church don't want anything to do with the church because they're like, ah, oh, that's just garbage, you know. They're hearing stuff that doesn't make sense to them either,
2: you know. Right. Well, and I think, you know, people outside of the church, they look at the church and they see, you know, Christians that don't act any different than then, they do. Right, yeah, they go to church, but then they're still living in sin the rest of the week. Right, well, and, you know, they just see them that there, there's no difference. Right. Why would I want to go to church if there's no difference? Right. What's and, different about them? And, you know, when you saw Jesus' ministry, he was very different. Right. And he brought something that was real. And he walked in miraculous. He walked in, you know, raising people from the dead and healing the sick and healing the blind. You know, all those things that Jesus did was miraculous. Right. And the church is not demonstrating that today. So there's nothing that separates us and makes us attractive about it. Right. We can speak the truth. Right. And the truth does its own work because it's alive and active, right? right? But we're not making the difference that we should be making. Right. You know, we should be making the difference that Jesus made while He was here on Earth. We have right. the same anointing, right. Holy Spirit, that Jesus did. Right. Jesus was fully a man, just like we are. Yeah, and He said we would do greater, greater works things than He, than he did. Yeah. So, you know, because He was going to, because He was resurrected from the dead, and He would go to the Father, and He would intercede for us. Right. So we can do greater things than He did, and so we're not. We're not. And, and then, so that's why there's this disconnect from people that don't really want anything to do with the church. Right. They don't see any reason to go, and I… They're I,
0: craving the supernatural.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's Holy why kids, kids are looking, kids and people, they're looking for it in spiritual things right. and connecting with demonic stuff because they see something's there. Right. And they're not seeing it in Christians. And right. so that's where we need to be better. That's where we need to push and pursue the Lord even more so, right. and just walk in His Spirit, walk in His truth, and read the Word. I mean, so many Christians don't even read their Bibles. They just go to church, listen to a message, and go home. Right, That's it what it. I did for years right. in
0: the right. Catholic Church. Right, but,
2: but it's not even in the Catholic Church. It's, it's everywhere. Every church. All churches yeah, are like that. They've made them very seeker-friendly, where you just walk in, you hear a message, and you walk out. Cha-ching. Yeah. Done. You know, but that's the whole spirit of religion. That's that that principality that sits
1: on the top of this mountain. Is he doesn't want us to hear any of those things. He he loves that we're just going to church and not getting into the word and not practicing. God's right. truth and how God's word works. We know God's word works, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what he wants. He wants us just
2: to kind of just be ho-hum, you know? Lackazate, lackadaisical. Yeah,
1: lackadaisical. Right, whatever
2: that word is. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a lazy spirit. Right, exactly. You know, Passive. Right, and passive and not actually going for it and walking out the kingdom of heaven right here on the earth. You know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Right, and I've been, I've been
1: able to since going over these seven mountains and just, you know, since my awakening anyway, but going over these seven mountains, it has me start, I've been able to now start seeing past the enemy that rules at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. to see how God meant for it to be. Right. And that's where I, what I want us to get to mm-hmm. at this point now because I know things are going to be so much better when we don't have
2: right. that,
1: You know that hovering above us and controlling us, right? Mm -hmm. I want to get to the good. I want to get to the good part, right? But we got to defeat the bad part. And I
2: really believe that's why Johnny God gave Johnny this prophecy, and it was a revelatory understanding about revelation, and that it's it's all about Jesus. Yes, you know, if you want to know about what's going to happen, look at the book of Daniel, right? Not Revelation, right? But it's just what God revealed to Johnny in this prophecy was to open our eyes to a new understanding of where we're going and what we're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing, having a whole different narrative about the outlook of life, about what the church should be doing right now. I mean, Johnny is very, very honest, and he says, if you're waiting for the rapture rug to come, it's you're going to just keep waiting, and you're yeah. going to delay Christ's return because you don't understand what, what, our, what our mission is. What we our have, mission is. We have a mission. That's right. What we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So that's why this is such a good message for us to get out, you know, is what we've learned from, you know, his books and stuff and from Elijah's dreams is... It changes your whole perspective, and it gives you a hopeful attitude rather than a doom and gloom attitude, right. and, oh, the world's just getting worse. Well, it's getting worse because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Right. are <laughs> ruling and reigning, right. and uh-huh. the devil's supposed to be under our feet. And ruling and reigning means playing your part in society, doing the things you're supposed to be doing, doing the things that God called you individually to do. Right. Like for us... We're working on this. This is what God told us to do. So this is the mountain of media, right? You know, we're getting out in the message that's supposed to be got gotten out. It's God's
1: truth. <laughs> it's just pure truth. And yeah, what we're trying to do is get His truth out, right? Because not realizing, you know, when we started all of this, that this is what people are hungry for. They right. just want to know because they've been lied to so much. A lot of people were where I was when I was in my first gone through my awakening. Was I know it's something's not right. What's and missing? What's missing? Yeah, and I had to search and dig, and I knew God was going to be in there. He He was going to be the one to answer all of that, and He's revealed so much to us, right. you know, since that, since right. you know, all of this stuff. You ask, He's going to He's going to give you what you need. Mm-hmm. You, and you gonna, want
2: revelation? Ask Him. for If it. you're hungry, yes. He's going to feed us, and He's going to show us what's really going to satisfy. Right. You know that, right. that hungering. Right.
0: And it's right. like Johnny's showing us. What the wool is over our eyes, right? Right, He's He's breaking ahead. it down, yeah, into right. these mountains right. and showing us where.
2: But I, I think too, you know, even just as I've listened to him on Elijah Streams, he says, you know, this has been it's been hidden from all of us yes. for a long time,
1: for re- very good. But reasons. now
2: is the time of this revealing. Right. Like God's church is ready, right, to receive this information and have their eyes opened and get to work.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and it's time. You just got to find out what it is you've been called to do.
0: All right. you got to do is ask him. He'll show you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and have your yes be yes, right? Well, yeah. Don't you be know, scared because once he says, the Lord Don't reveals fear.
2: those things to you, it's very important that you're obedient to that and and seek it out. Okay, well, okay. So you're saying I'm cut out for this, Lord? Right. All right. So what does that mean for me? Where where can I? Again, it's like um, years ago I was before the Lord in just prayer and I just opened up my hands and and I just said, What can I do with what you've given to me? Right. You know, that's Mm -hmm. being a faithful servant. What can I do with what you've given to me? And then he began to reveal those things to me. He showed me I was going to write. I'm like, what? (laughs) I never... What? Podcast
1: wasn't in there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
2: no, podcast was not on the program. (laughs) And I just had no clue. And, you know, if you look at me, you're like, well, she was just a housewife. Yeah, Yeah, I am. And I loved being a housewife and a yeah. homemaker and taking care of my boys. You know, that was my job for a long time. Yeah. And now they're grown and gone. And look, God's got something else for right. me. And He says, okay, I need you to reach more people. Yeah. You know, you've taken good care of your family. Now I need to take care of some other things, yes. some other jobs I have for you. Right. That's that's exciting. Right, yes. You know, that we don't have to be bored. Right. We're not with not in Christianity, right. you're never not too with old. the Lord's family. You're never too
1: old. Right, that you're never too lie. old. was a the enemy used to tell me all the time. You're getting too old for that. You can't do that.
2: Nah. That's a lie. <laughs> well, that's this a is lie. exciting days, well, you know. Yes, I'm is. I'm loving it. I am too. I am too. <laughs> I don't love the work, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I do. I do. This has been really good for us. It you has. Know? And it's helped us to grow together and grow in the Lord and and we're learning so much. Right. And we get we
1: get some feedback from you guys and we love that. We love hearing how how we are helping you understand right. his truth and what's really going on. I love that. Mm-hmm. We love right. that we get to, we get encouraging.
0: positive feedback. Yes. Right. It's so important. Doing God's work. Yes. You do have beautiful handwriting too, uh, Laura. Uh- <laughs> On top of being called to be a writer. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was trying to get a word in there, but I just couldn't. <laughs> Speak up, Susan. <laughs> uh, now, many want to silence Christians and elevate no. other religions or even universalism to the top of this critical mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be a city on a hill and light in the darkness, you have to be in the right position or no one will see you. That's right. And to love others is not to step aside and sit quietly in a corner with your beliefs. Love rejoices in the truth, and truth speaks. Yep. Truth doesn't stand by and watch others go down the wrong path. Truth doesn't huddle in a corner. Mm-hmm. Our country needs Jesus. Right. Proverbs twenty-seven six says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, a friend always tells the truth in love, knowing that it is the truth that makes you free. Right. No, there's not more than one way to heaven. No, there's not many gods. No, it's not acceptable, true, or right to participate in other religions. There's only one true God. Yep. there's only one way to heaven, right. one way to the Father, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's right. It's time we start contending for the right to speak the gospel in every arena, as if lives depend on it, because they do. Right. Pray for the greatest revival this country and the world has ever seen. Pray that we will return to gospel-centered messages and making disciples in the earth. Pray for a spirit of unity in the church and for furthering of the gospel to all nations. Yes. And pray that our rights to speak the gospel freely will be protected and that we will not be silenced. Pray that there will be no divisions among us and the churches will be led with a spirit of love. Yeah. And pray that we will become a beacon of hope to a hurting world.
1: Yes, and pray for the Holy Spirit to continue awakening the hearts and minds of the many people that are still so deceived, Yeah, right? Pray for every nation all around the world that, that God will eradicate every trace of evil in Jesus' name.
2: That's so good. Yeah. Yes. You know, it would take volumes, like, to exhaustively cover the Holy Spirit's role And how it relates to all the ministries of the body of Christ. right, yeah. You know, but Johnny makes some really good observations. He says that the spirit of religion thrives in absence of true, biblical, powerful Christianity. So, you know, when we model a Christianity that does not carry power or presence and passion like I was talking about, then we're demonstrating a product that is so inferior that cheap counterfeits can thrive. Yeah. You know, all of the religions on this mountain, whether they're Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, they're easily, you know, displaceable when real Holy Spirit driven Christianity shows up. Yeah. I'm telling you, when the power is there, people are going to just drop what they're doing and follow. Right. You know, he says, Johnny says that Satan has been willing to concede to us a Father God that's up in heaven who theoretically loves us and is in charge. He's reluctantly put up with Jesus who died for our sins so that we could one day make it to heaven. But what really bothers Satan is the the dimension of God that the Holy Spirit brings to planet earth. You know, he's the one who brings us the presence, the power, and the passion of God. Without him, our religion is for the most part dead. Even with the right doctrines on God and Jesus. He says the Spirit is the agent of the Trinity specifically assigned to us in our time. Right. Johnny points out that the reason Satan fights us so strenuously on the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit allows us to be all that the Father desires us to be. He's our teacher, our prophet, our empowerer. Yeah. And yeah. the flip side of that is that without Him, we will not know things that we should know and things that are to come and things that will not, you know, have power. No wonder the spirit of religion wants the church to be content with a tame, theoretical Holy Spirit who does not actually manifest. The spirit of religion tells us lies like, Holy Spirit is a gentleman, even though his very first manifestation in Acts 2 was a mighty rushing wind that created all kinds of chaos. Right. And the spirit of religion tells us that the Holy Spirit does not bring confusion. Yet the scripture shows quite a few examples of the opposite. Like Johnny points out that in 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three it says, God is not a God of confusion, but Paul was talking to a church where everyone competed to give prophecies and speak in tongues, disrupting the flow of the spirit. However, that does not mean that it, whenever we see confusion, we can say God isn't there. Jesus' disciples were often confused by what he said. Because like in Acts 2, 1 through 8, I think it's actually 1 through 13. We see the Jews who gathered in Jerusalem at Pentecost were clearly confused by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, so on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of the rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And as like one sat on top of each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every other nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speaking in their own language. Mm. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? I bet that's shocking. Right. You know, like, these guys were all just fishermen from Galilee. Right, right. So, how are they to know how to speak, right. you know, all these different languages from all over the world? Because right. the people came from all over the world for Pentecost. Yeah. Or all over that world at that time. Right. The populated world. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, they said in the verse, they said, we hear Him speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Mm -hmm. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, you know, that were standing around, they were saying, they're just drunk. (laughs) You know, of course, they tell them, it's nine o'clock in the morning, we're not drunk. (laughs) But Johnny points out that the onlookers were supposing that these spirit-filled people were drunk, but the spirit of religion will come in Just like this, and he'll point out how this just doesn't feel religious. And he's right. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes in power, his manifestations don't feel religious, but they do bring a dimension of heaven to the earth. So it's gonna seem foreign. Right. And so Second Timothy three, one through five says, But know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of truth, and good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. You know, practicing a gospel without power produces a very inferior brand of Christianity, whose followers look more like lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. And the purpose of embracing a spirit centric gospel is to produce passionate lovers of God. Yes. It's really hard to be passionate about a God who no longer talks or heals, delivers, or manifests in some capacity. You know, we serve a supernatural God. Yeah. And right. so he needs to show up in a supernatural way. Right. Just like we were talking about before, or right. people are just mm-hmm. going to be like, yes. why should I go? So taking the mountain of religion and worship. Is an assignment for radical, passionate Lovesick for God, Holy Spirit Hungry Elijah revolutionaries And if you, if all you have Is platitudes and principles Just stay off the mountain right. Right. <laughs> That's what Johnny said I He says that. stay off the mountain if you love Meetings that start and finish like clockwork <laughs> <laughs> He says stay off the mountain If you like three songs and a prayer And consider that worship uh, woo, Get him Johnny uh, <laughs> Jab, jab, jab <laughs> Stay off this mountain if you have never had a supernatural experience with God and you still don't want one. Oh, wow. Stay off this mountain if you like neat, tidy religion. Stay off this mountain if you like a river that you can dip your toes in, but not one that will sweep you into the depths and will force you to swim. Wow. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. God needs fire-branded, holy, radical men and women on this mountain, and then false religions will be displaced at an even greater pace. The Holy Spirit's work is not just emotionalism. It's very comprehensive work that can leave us looking like Jesus in character and in power. And it's also the work of the Holy Spirit to establish the proper church structure built on apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And all who will penetrate this mountain must have a commitment to be true worshipers. However, if someone is led to invade this mountain, it must be on the back of true worship. Right. And there is no authority to displace false worship from this mountain if one is not a worshiper in spirit and in truth, like John 424. Worship in spirit and truth is passionate, abandoned, radical worship. Yes. It's not three hymns and a prayer. Right. It's not worship that can be performed without moving a muscle. Right. True worship exalts the Lord with our bodies. We clap, we dance, we move, we raise hands, we spin, we sway, we tap, we sweat.
1: We get tired,
2: you know. We We smile, right? We (laughs) smile, (laughs) we laugh, we cry, we pour out emotions, and we we expend energy because we're entering the court of the King of the Universe. Yes, and we are moved by that fact. It is the very spirit from His presence that stirs us in an offer of sacrifice and praise. That's beautiful.
0: That really is.
2: I mean, I, I, that's what, what I do each morning when I go in to spend yeah. time with the Lord in prayer. I just spend time worshiping Him, yes. and I dance, and I, you know. I take communion. Right. I just all those things because. Get all the junk out of the way. Right. It's, because I'm entering the court of the Lord. Yes. And I want to enter it the right way. And He's happy to see me every yeah. single time I yeah. come to Him. So happy. You know, there's a song that I, one of the songs I picked, you know, is I worship the Lord, and it was. Part of the lyrics are that when we offer up our praises and our worship to God, right. He sees it as faith. Yeah, It's our faith rising up, you know? Because you mm-hmm. could go into your, your quiet time in, in your room, you know, and you could just sit there and be very solemn and just read the Word really quietly, you right. know? But when we go in and we know that God is watching us and that we— start worshiping Him and dancing and praising Him like as if He's standing in the room or as if you've entered that court of the Lord and you want to give Him your all, that's showing that you believe in faith, that He's watching, that He's there, that He's real, Mm -hmm. He's tangible, and He honors that. He honors that time that we spend with Him like that.
0: It's like celebrating Him. It is. Loudly, with joy. It's very freeing. Right. You know, I... It brings me joy,
1: even oh. if I'm having the toughest day. You know, it just brings joy right. to my
0: heart. And you the know, enemy have, hates it.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, my husband, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> this week I was worshiping the Lord, you know, and I didn't realize. I have my volume up on my headphones, yeah. Yeah. and so <laughs> he hears me. <laughs> oh, Lord. And it's just the two of us in the house, you know, yeah. and he goes, you know, when we have company, just kind of remember that... <laughs> I knew where he was going with it. I'm like, you know, my first thought is, hey, if they don't like it... (laughs) They know where the door is. That's my first thought. I'm like, do you think I would do that and freak people out? You know? But you know Well, I, wait a minute. If it's Laura, if it's Kathy and Susan, they'd come join me. Right. They would. They understand what I'm doing. Yeah. And my husband understands too. Right. You know. He's just like, Yeah, you know, you just don't want to freak people out. <laughs> I just thought it was funny, you know? and yeah. I'm like, I know. I, I know g- what you're saying. Get carried away sometimes. It well, just but I, and you know, I just love the Lord and yeah. so I'm just pouring out to him and I get caught up in it yeah, so okay. I'm not even thinking about what's going in through somebody's mind that's outside yes. <laughs> my room you know but yeah hey. so I will turn the volume down <laughs> or go in the garage yeah <laughs> that's funny. it's just funny you know yeah. but I, I just love the Lord and i don't care what anybody thinks me too really you know and it's my house right totally my house <laughs> and this is the lord's territory it this sure is, is holy yes, ground is. so when people walk into my home like you said when you walk into my house house they feel the presence of god yeah and i want them to feel that right. when they walk into this house right. so you know that's what worship brings that's right it brings His presence. That's right. Yes. Anyway, you know, Jeremiah thirty three eleven says, The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His mercy endures forever, and of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. Yes. Freedom in worship. And an increase in the Holy Spirit anointing are a direct cause and effect that cannot be ignored to the degree that worship lines up honestly with the rest of our daily walk with the Lord, and to that same degree it becomes even more powerful. Right. So, in some capacity, everything we do can express worship at some level, but intentionally lifting our hearts to the Lord in song and dance is a manifestation of true worship. It's a right brain operation that serves to strengthen the part of us that's open to the things of God. And Johnny says that intercessors have an extreme importance in taking this mountain. Prayer for Jerusalem and in Jerusalem is a priority for those who feel called to intercede for the mountain of religion. You know, we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but we also need to better understand how that will happen and begin to agree in prayer over the steps that lead to the the peace of Jerusalem. And Johnny also believes that if you are called as an intercessor for this mountain, you're to move there or spend significant time there. Wow! And he says that prayer that takes the place there affects global issues related to the mountain of religion. He also said that the Lord will be sending increasing numbers of mighty prayer warriors there and will begin to break down false religions. And people who actually go to the geographical, you know, location of Israel will penetrate that mountain. I mm, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. You know that he's saying, "Hey, God's going to call you to move there, right. and you needed to be ready." I was right. like, "Wow." Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's so amazing to
1: know that God has every last detail planned out in every aspect of all seven mountains, right? Mm -hmm. You know, all we have to do is partner with him and ask him what he wants us to do. He will guide and direct us. Right. Same thing for that. You know, if this is your mountain, you go where God tells you to go. Just be
2: obedient. Right,
1: right. You know, when I first became a Christian. I was so excited, and I wanted to learn all I could about Jesus. And in the beginning, I learned some wonderful things about Him through the church I attended and through you know, many different Bible studies that I attended. I was desperate for knowledge, and I soaked up all that I could. And as I was learning and growing, I began to get more involved in the church, and I'm, and I'm going to be really honest, I witnessed some ugly things within the four walls of the church. Sure. For a while, You know, it didn't directly affect me. But eventually it did, and I was deeply hurt, and I had to walk away from what I used to think was the best church I'd ever attended. You know, it left me and my family feeling confused, angry, and hurt, and I spent a long time questioning God. You know, to put it simply, Satan has deeply infiltrated the church to cause harm and to destroy it from within, and he's doing a great job. You know, the enemy does everything he can to twist the Word of God. He doesn't want us to learn that God really does love us and only wants good things for his children. And when people come into a church hungry for the truth, Satan already has his eyes on them, looking for their weak spots to cause them to sin or to completely turn turn them away from God's word. The enemy is fine if we want to go to church every Sunday. You know, as long as we continue to sin once we leave the church, because he still has us in that bondage. You know, God has always had a different plan for his church, and it's something that we are going to learn about very soon, because his kingdom age is here, and he will teach us the way it should have been from the beginning. In order for us to move forward in this kingdom age, we must learn. We must first learn about our enemy that sits on the top of this mountain of religion, who we will defeat very, very soon. Mm-hmm. So let's review the different ites that go all the way back to Genesis and God's word. They are the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So we've discussed four of the seven mountains of influence, like I mentioned earlier, and the ite that is attached to each one of those. For the mountain of media, the ite is the Hittites. For the mountain of government, the ite is the Girgashites. For the mountain of education, the ite is the Amorites. And for the mountain of economy, the ite is the Canaanites. So now we're moving to the mountain of religion, and that is the Parasites. So Johnny and Elizabeth, you know, explain the meaning of Parasite in their book, Rise, a reformer's handbook for the seven mountains. And it means unwalled, rural dwelling place. And it represents the lack of protection brought on by idolatry and false worship on the mountain of religion. So the parasites were one of the seven nations that the Israelites had to conquer in order to obey God and take the promised land. They represent a work of idolatry strategically designed to bring people and people groups under the dominion of religiosity. So the same is true for us today. We have to conquer these parasites and take back the mountain of religion. Satan's illegal principality that sits on top of the mountain of religion is the religious spirit. We've talked about that already. Mm-hmm. You know, Johnny says the religious spirit is most likely Satan's alter ego. It represents false worship. And as Lucifer, Satan was the most intimate with what true worship looks like, which is why the demonic strategy is to steal worship that belongs only to God. The religious spirit will always prioritize secondary matters over heart matters and rituals over relationships. Satan saw our tendency as humans to reach out to our creator for relationship and pushed us past the simplicity of true intimacy and into religion. In essence, Satan took our right to have a relationship with our father and deceived us into exchanging it for religion based on knowing principles rather than the freedom to know God himself. So like every other good thing that God has offered us, Satan offers us a counterfeit. Religion, by definition, is a way of belief or worship. False religion is a set of rules or a system to follow in order to appease God. True religion is relationship, trust, and intimacy with God. You know, there's only one enemy in the war over religion. Any religion that teaches its followers to look at anyone other than Satan himself as the enemy is a false religion. Because humans are the common denominator of all religions, you can be sure that all religions are guilty of pointing fingers at other people as the enemy, rather than at the true source of all darkness. Yes, we can align ourselves knowingly or unknowingly with that one enemy, but ultimately even the most evil person on the planet is not the enemy but simply his pawn. So the strategy of the religious spirit is to prevent the face of God as Redeemer from being restored to society. Also to prevent humanity from having access to the truth of how God loves us through the way he honors us. To prevent people from knowing that we don't have to work hard and be good in order to know God. We simply need Jesus as our Redeemer. And to prevent people from experiencing a healed perspective of the goodness of God through the mountain of religion, which was ultimately meant to provide for and assure us of our eternal security. So, human beings innately know that there is a God and what we must that we must approach Him in some fashion, right? Mm-hmm. So, the spirit of religion's job is to prostitute that God-placed homing device and lead the worship elsewhere. The following is His lift of preferences on how to steal worship. You know, he inspires open and and intentional worship of Satan, which is Satanism. We're definitely seeing that in our world today. It's out Mm in the open now. To divert worship to objects or idols that originate in Satan's mind, which is secondary Satan worship. Direct worship to man himself. Satan doesn't get the worship, but knows it displeases God. To make worship vague and symbolic, if God must be worshiped at all, and if at all possible, minus Jesus. If a real relationship with God through Jesus is present, then doctrinally eliminate the Holy Spirit. If a real relationship with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit is present, then eliminate His power manifestations, which is dispensationalism and cessationism. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a lot of isms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, If a real relationship with God through Jesus that includes power manifestations of the Holy Spirit is present, then obstruct the theological understanding of just how close one can get to God and how much authority we have been given on earth, creating immobilized rapture waiters, right? So the religious spirit will work at whatever level of commitment someone has in pursuing God. His job is to attach a feeling of religiosity to anything that is not direct worship of the creator himself. If we are relentless in our pursuit of God, this spirit will attempt to focus us on the good things of God to see if we'll pursue them instead of God himself. He will try to form idols or stack idols at every turn to steal God's worship. And if we won't worship an obvious idol, he'll work with his parasites to get us to idolize a Christian leader, a doctrine, a manifestation, spiritual gifts, or God's provision. Anything that he can lift up to block our view of the Lord is what he's all about.
0: That's what mm-hmm. I was going to say. It's, you know, it could be a pastor yes. or a priest. If right. you think that, you know, they have control and not God, and right. you go to them all the time and not God. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you can't do that. Right. right. That's, that's
1: the spirit of religion. So just like God has a good plan for each one of his children, Satan has a plan to throw us off the path that God has for us. Even if we are believers, the enemy tries everything he can to get us to defy God. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants us to do. Yep. And he can make it look really good in our eyes. He's the deceiver. And he's good at it. If we persist on pursuing everything God has for us, the enemy will attempt to restrict our arena of operation by making us Sunday Christians. Mm -hmm. We talked about that earlier, you know, just going to church on Sunday and just doing your thing the rest Mm -hmm. of the week. You know, Sunday Christians who worship only in church. The enemy uses any form of idolatry at every turn so that by whatever means necessary, he gets our eyes off of God and steals our true worship. This principality's power is not in his spiritual might, but in, in his lies. When we believe his lies, we give him power. He most certainly operates under cover in the dark. So very few will choose to worship Satan as the devil he is. So he comes stealthily as an angel of light. Most of his doctrines that deceive the masses carry many elements of truth. That's again, that's the counterfeit. Sure, great. Right? Right. He'll advocate all the characteristics, characteristics, of the fruit of the Holy Spirit if he can convince people that those characteristics are obtainable apart from the Holy Spirit. The spirit of religion thrives where true, biblical, powerful Christianity isn't being modeled, Mm -hmm. right? So here we got the archangel that fights on the mountain of religion is Michael. His name means who is like God. And his name reveals his assignment, which is to assist in restoring the image of God in the earth as Redeemer. As the one assigned to advance and protect a people who look like God, Michael has been the most loyal from the very beginning. The glory he carries is magnificent mm. you know i have actually met michael on one of my visits to heaven i've talked about this before and, you know i was introduced to his horse torch a beautiful horse and once i knew that torch belonged to michael and it immediately made sense to me they suit each other perfectly mm. You know, and michael definitely lives up to everything we know about him he looks exactly what you think a warrior angel would look like large and intimidating You know, Michael and his host, this is what Johnny says, Michael and his host of angel armies serve the Lord of hosts by guarding Israel because Jerusalem is the geographical religious capital of the world. We all know that, right? Mm -hmm. And by helping the sons and daughters of God who are called to impact the mountain of religion. And I want to insert a little side note here and say that Johnny and Elizabeth go into much greater detail in their book, Rise, a reformer's handbook for the seven mountains regarding each archangel that is assigned to the seven mountains of influence. So if you want more information on this, you can find it there. Mm -hmm. All right. And then the color of the rainbow that's connected to the mountain of religion is blue. It's associated with truth, revelation, and by extension, the Holy Spirit. When you look up into the sky or as deep as the ocean, what do you see?
0: Blue. Blue. Mm
1: -hmm. We are constantly surrounded from the heights to the depths by this color of God as Redeemer. So the big lie about God on the mountain of religion is... We have to work hard and be good in order to know God. This lie is meant to separate Christianity from all other religions. It's advanced by the religious spirit and is obviously designed to separate us from any need for the cross and the blood of Jesus. Right. Every time we're exposed to the mountain of religion, the enemy wants our takeaway to be, if having a relationship with God means I have to be good enough, then why even try? Right. Yeah. No matter how hard I work, I never really feel close to him. Honestly, can anyone really be sure of where they will go after they die? Or maybe there are many ways to connect to God. Yeah, I've heard no, all those. Me too. That's you know, incredible. I'll admit that I've had similar questions and thoughts, but this was before I pursued an intimate relationship with God. And now that I have that, my thinking is the complete opposite. I am good enough. I do feel close, you know, to God because I pursue him. Mm-hmm. I know there's a heaven because I've been there. I've, He's taken me there, and I know that's where I will spend eternity, and the only way to God is Jesus. One way. That's That's it. it. That's it. Right? The truth is, none of us will ever sense the true worth and value that we have from religion. Knowing how loved and valued we are only comes out of relationship, right? And relationship only comes through what God sent his son Jesus to do for us. So how this lie about God plays out in culture is, if religion is work and performance, then God is a tyrant and a taskmaster right? who pushes us to carry an impossible workload, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Our God is the God of impossible, so we know that's not true. So when we wrongly perceive him as a demanding, needy being, we are basically left to respond in one of three ways. Try to work hard enough to appease him, stay bitter and angry with him for putting us in that position, or as a subtle form of rebellion against such apparent cruelty, roll over and pretend he doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> Those mm-hmm. are Johnny's words, so yep. I like that. Mm-hmm. Most who have lived long enough have responded in each way at some point, which has created quite an ongoing collective turmoil in society. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. every nation across our globe is built into its overall culture man man-made versions of God or religion. No one religion has it right or is perfect because all are influenced by imperfect people. The big truth about God on the mountain of religion is we need a redeemer in order to know God. We need Jesus, mm-hmm. right? He's our redeemer. So God the Son willingly came to earth and became man because a human being's sacrifice is what was required for the redemption price of humanity to be satisfied. He willingly gave himself as the price to be paid so all humans could vicariously have access to God and heaven. Grace is receiving the favor of God without having to earn it. Truly, his grace is amazing because it's what saves us from ourselves and opens our eyes to see how good he really is and how valuable that we are to him. And to partner with God as Redeemer on the mountain of religion, we must truly know God as Redeemer ourselves. Again, this goes back to intimacy with our Creator. We've talked about intimacy since we started this podcast. It's It's what what we're all about. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we are to have no tolerance for the spirit of religion while fighting for the ones that are deceived by it. It is possible to take back this mountain with the help of the Holy Spirit and the Archangel Michael and his army. You know, and if you feel you're called to the mountain of religion, seek God intimately. Pray and ask him to guide and direct you in this new kingdom era. You are needed, and God will show you the way. We will persevere and strip this mountain from the hands of the enemy. All right. Man, that was a lot today. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's it, was. it. It's time to close. So mm-hmm. please join us next week and we will discuss the mountain of arts and entertainment.
2: Yeah, and no, we just want to close with this scripture from Ephesians four, eleven through thirteen. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors some teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right. He's a good,
1: good God, and we Mm -hmm. love our Jesus, right? So today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. Thank you, Caitlin. We appreciate all that you do for us. We want to reference again Johnny Inlow's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, and Johnny and Elizabeth Inlow's book, Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. There were also a couple of resources we used in addition to Johnny and Elizabeth Inlow's books, so
0: we will put the links in the notes section of this episode. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very
2: much. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3 at gmail.com. All right, and please visit our
1: websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us.
0: And mine is susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us
2: next time. And remember, live thirsty.
0: Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may His face shine upon you and give you His peace. All right, until next time, Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electricast.
2: Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the Best Business Network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to ElectricCast Podcasts and hear the culture. ElectricCast.